Hi, and welcome to NatChat, the Natulit podcast. This week, we have a NatChat takeover for International Women's Week with myself, Hayley Knott, and my colleague, Emma Simpkin. Today, we're going to be talking with guests from Palo Alto Networks and Angela Ruskin University around the cybersecurity skills gap and gender diversity in tech to see if two industry challenges could have one common solution. Welcome, everybody. It's great to have you with us today. Um, I think it'll be great if we could just go around and uh, let the listeners know who we have with us today. So, uh, Stuart, do you want to kick us off? Certainly. Uh, Good morning, everyone. I'm Stuart Taylor, and I'm the Channel Director for Palo Alto Networks in the UK and Ireland. I've been with Palo Alto Networks for about two and a half years and um, been in IT for over 20 years now. Brilliant. Thank you. And we have Joanne Smith with us today. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jo. I work for Anglia Ruskin University and I am their Placements and Employee Engagement Manager. And then Emma. Hi everybody, so I'm Emma Simpkin. I'm one of our Service Design Transition and Delivery Managers here at Natilic, and I'm attending today um, more in the role of a community leader alongside Hayley. So I work with Hayley in our Women in Tech community at Natilic um, as it's International Women's Week. Um, so Monday, March 8th would have marked International Women's Week by the time you're listening to this. Um, we want to start a conversation around the technical skills gap, particularly in cybersecurity and how gender diversity can be looked at from that perspective to um, start addressing and filling that skills gap by attracting more women um, and diverse kind of minorities into the community. Actually, Emma, that might be a really good starting place if you'd like to give a little bit more of a context around the conversation we're going to go through today. Yeah, absolutely. So our community at Natilic is really focused on three areas. So contributing to the industry-wide conversation around gender diversity or women in technology, acting as a trusted advisor to Natilic leadership, and then supporting a gender diverse future for tech. And I think when we talk around cybersecurity and the skills gap, um, lots of different organisations and even our own UK government have actually identified that there's a real opportunity here to look at kind of fixing two problems by attracting women into the industry. Um, you may have noticed, and I think a lot of people will be or at least have a periphery awareness of the cybersecurity skills gap from the Your Next Job Might Be in Cyber campaign last year. Unfortunately, that wasn't um, wasn't executed in the best way possible. It drew a lot of criticism as it featured a ballerina, uh, Fatima, retraining to skill up in cyber, which at the time probably wasn't the most sensitive given the, uh, the context and difficulties facing the arts and entertainment sectors as a result of the pandemic. However, um, the idea of that program when your next job might be in cyber, um, being led by Cyber First and the National Cybersecurity Centre, was to encourage people um, from all different sectors to look at retraining and skilling up into cybersecurity to fill the cybersecurity skills gap. So I think that's a really interesting point and lots of um, other companies, organisations and even the government are kind of drawing the gaps and seeing that we might be able to do something here. So Stuart, just to backtrack, I know lots of people might be aware of the cybersecurity and the technical skills gap, but what what would you um, kind of classify that as or how would you explain that to our listeners? So so there's been a large change or, or, or explosion in in um, the need for cybersecurity within organisations. I think I think everyone, as, as our society has become more digitised, are aware of the dangers that, that exist potentially in, in exfiltration of people's data, personal information, etc., right down to you know domestically not just as, as businesses so um so i think there's there's an awareness that's been increased because of our digitization of our of our lives um and and, and equally um that's high on the agenda of businesses to make sure that they protect their customers and their staff um, as they operate um out, out in their marketplaces 
I think to quantify some of the you know the skills gap pieces if you look at some some work that the government has done around that you know approximately 48 percent of organizations have a basic skills gap in, in cyber security um, and a quarter have a skills gap when it comes to incident response for example so say so it's well regarded and documented that there is a skills gap in cyber security and as as our lives become more digital, as um, organizations take advantage of newer technologies, as they need to um, introduce more remote working practices and flexible working to optimize their operations, um, there are more and more attack surfaces, more and more likelihoods of vulnerabilities, more and more opportunities for bad actors to, um, to take advantage of, of um, those vulnerabilities and exploit them um, for, for quite often criminal gains right so so there is a need um, and, an, and an ever increasing and accelerating need uh, for cyber security skills in the market yeah absolutely I find it really interesting I know Haley shared this um previously when we were talking about getting set up for this podcast but some of the government um, research into it in 2020 suggested that about 48 percent of um businesses have a basic skills gap when it comes to cybersecurity. So the people operating those businesses either aren't outsourcing to a, um, a partner to get support or an external cybersecurity provider, or they don't have people internally, which is quite worrying when you've said, um, and you've articulated it there, that the availability of these attack services is just constantly increasing as we live in the digital world more and more. I mean, we're obviously all having this conversation today virtually, and that that is how you record a podcast. But pre-COVID, that wasn't the norm in terms of the most meetings. So it's really interesting looking at it from that context that we have the um, the increasing of the requirement for cybersecurities, but we don't seem to be addressing it from a skills gap perspective. So what are, what are Palo Alto doing? I know that you've mentioned a few times that there's um, some interesting things going on in terms of how you're tackling the cybersecurity skills gap and asking your, yeah. your partners and the clients that you work with to do that. I think there's two ways to do it. One is the, the human factor, and then the other is the technology factor. So, so we've got a challenge where we've got a gap in terms of individuals within within the industry that we need to address. And particularly around this conversation, we've got a, a, a gender gap where we need to in, to have more women into into cybersecurity. I mean, generally, technology has a challenge with um, the proportion of women in 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 it. Um, cybersecurity is probably even more pronounced than that, and perhaps we can discuss that <laughs> and the reasons why in a bit. But um, but ultimately, there's there's that human element that we need to address. But there's there's also an element that we can help with regards to technology, leveraging technologies such as machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, to help drive um, automation within um, the platforms for cybersecurity that can do some of the routine repeatable more mundane tasks that currently um, analysts secure cybersecurity analysts do now um, and that will alleviate some of the challenges that are needed and enable those organizations to go more on the front foot with their cybersecurity skills to do things like threat hunting rather than do you know reactive tasks to 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 remediate issues that take a long time to to do and to identify and then to actually solve so so it's the two streams really and and for us you know if we t talk around the diversity piece and the and the and the, the women in cybersecurity section 
we need to encourage um, women more so into into those roles. So we, we've got a couple of areas that we look at as an organisation to do that. And it's probably into three kind of pillars, really. One is addressing the workforce. How do we get more women into cybersecurity? Um, and that involves education. And that's, you know, perhaps where Joe comes in as well to talk around how we how we do that. The, the second part is our is our own uh, workplace. How do we make um, the workplace an attractive environment for women in cybersecurity, for everyone within the organization to be their best self and to give them that opportunity. And then the third is out to our customers and the and the marketplace in terms of how we are open about the challenges that we face, how we as organizations can help each other encourage um, women into cybersecurity and help um, to help two things, you know, increase our proportion of, of uh, or the gender the gender levels to to um, become more matching and then at the same time addressing the cyber skills gap in the in the marketplace as well yeah I think that's is really interesting and I really like the how you framed it in there's there's a people and a technology element to this and even just like your wording around that you know talking about when if you're working in cybersecurity and just the bombardment of alerts that you'd get and how you can leverage technology to, to minimize that and, and then free up your time and, and your resources and, and your team to be able to do the more exciting and engaging, you know, threat hunting side to that cybersecurity role. Um, and I think it is very much so about how we position it and how we facilitate our teams with the right tools to be able to get the best out of their roles and, and the best out of them. Um, and it's great to hear, obviously, you have that that strategy and that approach of Paolo with, the, with those pillars. Um, and, and Joe, I think, you know, looking when we're talking about entry levels and what universities can do, I saw a stat recently which said that only 3% of female A-level students would even consider a career in tech. And, you know, that is one of the barriers which we as people within the tech industry and you know, the education establishments need to look at and address and see what we can do. Um, I know, you know we've spoken about different strategies like long term, short term. It'd be great to get your take on on, on how things are changing and, and what barriers there are to address. Yeah, sure. No problem. I mean, STEM generally, um, unfortunately, the balance gender-wise has, has never been great. And I think cybersecurity is struggling at the moment because, as Stuart said, it's, it's boomed so quickly. Um, and whenever an industry grows as quickly as cybersecurity, unfortunately, has um, in some respects, it's always difficult for universities and the pipeline of students coming in to catch up and balance that out. Um, I think cybersecurity particularly struggles with the fact that it falls under sort of three titles. It's been badged as engineering, it's been badged under tech and it's been badged under science. And all three of those are historically poor for gender diversity. Um, so I don't think it's it's uh, done very well in that respect. However, um, there is lots of work being done to try and rectify that and to try and balance it out in terms of students coming on course. So we've done quite a lot of work around our marketing to make sure that the figures um, that we use, the images that we use are more balanced, that don't show um, your stereotypical cybersecurity working in a hoodie in a dark room um, tapping away, but actually shows an industry that's more balanced and more diverse. We have looked at things like entry criteria. So 
um, it's something for employers to bear in mind in terms of their own job descriptions. Do we really need to be asking for three A-levels in science to do a cybersecurity course? Do we need our students to have an A-level in maths? It's about looking at what practical skills our students might need. We need entry requirements, they're, they're part of a university course, but are we making those accessible for students or are we putting up barriers unnecessarily? So those things are being done um, now to help students. Um, universities will always be a little bit behind in terms of course development because as quickly as an industry needs a course, um, it will take a while for a university to be able to develop a course that's accredited and go through. Um, ARU is quite lucky, it's got quite a large suite of um, cybersecurity and computing courses generally and we are seeing the numbers increase um, but on average we're probably looking at about 10% of students being female on STEM related courses and tech related courses. So it would obviously be be really good to to see that increase um, in terms of um, short term and long term strategies for employers. I think some of the things we've we've discussed previously are around looking at things like your job descriptions. Are they overly wordy? Are they full of acronyms? Are they um, actually phrased in a way that alienates women coming into the industry? So there's been some research done that by changing some of the wording in your job descriptions can actually make them much more appealing to women without alienating male applicants. So words such as um, strong, lead, analysis, manage, all turn women off of applications, but by using words like proven, grow, develop values, doesn't alienate male applicants, but makes you far more likely to get female applicants. So simple things like that in terms of our university course descriptions and your job descriptions might help um, student female um, applicants apply. I think longer term, um, the massive piece of work needs to be done around perception, because as we've said earlier, um, the idea that you might just be alert managing or you might be working in this dark room in this hoodie in this kind of very isolated role is a long way off of what we all know that tech and cyber security is. Um, so it would be good to see work done around that in terms of company websites, in terms of general marketing that goes out to students. And it needs to start earlier than, than the kind of other ready graduates, because by the time they get to graduation, they've normally sort of picked their career path and cybersecurity. I mean, 3% of students considering that at A-level is, is quite disappointing. Joe, I think that's really a really important point as well, actually, to, to start early. Two things I'd you know, pick up on what you just said is starting early in the perception piece. So um, starting early, I think I think you need to change it at school level. It's even before you get to university. And I think us as cybersecurity organisations and technology organisations ensuring that um, it, there's there's a comfort level, there's an understanding of exactly what a career looks in 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 technology looks like um, for women that that isn't the perceived male dominated perception of the words that you just outlined for sure. And then and then on on the other hand, we've got um, a piece where um, you know for us, I don't think those words that you described are actually aptly describe what the role entails when you come and do it on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, you know, I, I look at um, what a number of our customers do with their security um, staff, I look at what our partners do with their security staff, I look at what we do, we do with our security staff, both from an inward protection and also from helping 
um, customers and partners be able to, to build their cybersecurity postures. It's about designing, it's about helping the business operate securely moving forward, you know, and making that business effective and successful. Um, and it's and it's less about those engineering nuts and bolts. So it, we've, we as a, as a industry have to make sure that we articulate accurately what um, we do. And, and that has changed. Right. So, so, you know, and we have to change uh, with it to make sure that um, we do attract those people and listen to people like yourselves um, in how we attract the, the, the fit more or more women into into our businesses. I agree. And I think the other thing to think about is we already know that there is going to be a very small pool right now of oven ready kind of cybersecurity graduates that are available to go into the roles that you have immediately. So I think it's about thinking about outside the box and who else you could recruit. So the Institute of Student Employers says that somewhere around 80% of employers aren't concerned about the background that their students have graduated from. So while recruiting from a much wider base um, than those who are just looking for a tech graduate. So I would encourage employers to think about whether they actually need a cybersecurity graduate for these entry level roles or whether a business course that's heavily analytical or you know, an engineering course that's quite numerate, or even something like forensic science that produces quite data-driven, highly diagnostic candidates could actually be transferable into some of these roles that you might have. And whether you're leaving it too late to recruit. So um, again, there's some statistics around 44% of placement students go on to work for that organisation when they graduate. So are you waiting until students graduate to engage with talent? Or are you working with teams like ourselves to take on students in their first year for work experience or for a year long placement? Um, because if if you're only using kind of one entry point, which is to take on a cybersecurity graduate after three years of a course, I think you are going to find it hard to recruit anyone, let alone the kind of diversity that you might be looking for as a business. So I think it's about changing the perception of what we class as our industry and how we market it, but for organisations to also look at diversifying their own recruitment methods um, to try and broaden and diversify their workforce. I think that's really interesting. I was just going to add on to those two points that you've said there, Joe, because there's a 2018 labour market study done again by the government that was establishing that it's actually quite rare for those who are performing cyber functions in firms outside of the cybersecurity sector to have relevant qualifications or accreditations, and that that's what making up is making up part of that skills gap we're talking around. So, just four percent of businesses have staff with relevant qualifications or accreditation, including anything in IT. And this was 32% amongst larger businesses. So when you look at it from context around the people who are doing the job today, um, it does seem that we have a obligation as the industry level to kind of help them all skill up to be able to fulfill those roles. And then on the perception piece, um, another note that I found really interesting, and I completely agree with you, um, Stuart, here, is that it we almost seem to act as if um, sometimes cybersecurity and roles in security are um, not inherently altruistic. And I think that that's something we might miss when we're positioning it out to the wider um, market and looking at future candidates and also people of school age who are deciding on what they want their career to be. If you're talking around, um, you know, looking at a career in cyber or when you are helping a um, an organisation with their security posturing, you're inherently doing something that is quite um, quite altruistic there. You're, you're helping them save future jobs by not having to pay for fines to regulators for data breaches. You're ensuring that there's no layoffs as a result of that, as well as protecting IP. So it is really interesting how the perception of the industry and therefore the role um, sometimes can actually play a part and not really 
amplify what is actually being done and the incredible work that's being done by cybersecurity professionals today. I agree. And I do think also there is a little bit of a responsibility on us uh, you know, professionals within the tech industry to make sure that we are articulating and verbalising the positive career options and choices and, and roles that are out there. You know, and I am prone to it myself when someone asks you, you know, what do you do? You, you often you know, either play it down or give a short summary statement. But actually, when we're talking to the next generation, um, we're looking to inspire them into tech roles. It's important to you know, articulate the impact that it has and the creativity that comes with working in the tech industry and the flexibility and the, the absolute vast diversity of op opportunities that are there. And I, I think, like you say, it does need to, to come at a, at a school level as well whether that be you know, us committing to going and talking at career days or making sure that we put forward you know, a diverse representation of our business out there. It is important to make sure that we're communicating what the tech industry and the cyber um, element of that has to offer. I couldn't agree more. I have to say we've seen firsthand that when employers bring candidate or bring employees with them that are more relatable to that particular demographic or that particular makeup of students, that it has a real impact on engagement. Um, so if you're looking to diversify your workforce, be it gender, be it you know accessing more BAME candidates or, or whatever it might be, if you can um, bring role models that show that as a business you are actually you know practicing what you're preaching, it has a huge impact on engagement. And I think it's really easy to, and I think the role models at CEO level and things like that are absolutely fantastic and should be much better promoted but actually for some of certainly for our students who are at the beginning of their career that can be quite a long way off for them and that can feel quite quite a sort of big jump to imagine themselves in those positions but if you can you know bring along people that are or use people in your marketing and on your websites that are sort of three to five years into their career that's really quite aspirational for, for students and also shows them where their career might go um, where it could progress to you know what's the next step after that entry-level role um, and that's really quite powerful so I'd advocate um, that to any employer that's looking to diversify their workforce definitely that's something that, that we we do within some of our networks within our business as well and that's when, when we talk about you know outwardly trying to encourage in the workplace and um, people to to join the cybersecurity um, industry and giving those those positive role model examples definitely so i think one um, area we haven't really um talked about at the moment is is why um women in, in cybersecurity is, is so important. We've kind of made an assumptive it's important. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I think, you know, there's, there's a number of things to talk about there. And, and ultimately, you know, we are missing as, as organisations, we're missing a talent pool by not attracting um, women in the right way into this industry and by, you know, by having those, that kind of archaic uh, messaging which isn't um, adapting to actually what the role is and isn't appealing to individuals that may want to may want that option or take up that option. Um, and, and so we're missing that talent pool. We're missing the different perspectives that, that 
those those different backgrounds different thoughts bring we're missing the enhanced collaboration that you know it's evidence that that brings and and, and a number of other things but ultimately as as, as organizations we're also missing um the the performance level that that brings and the enhanced profitability that that brings to companies as well you know which again is is you know well researched and regarded i think you know one stat i've got that um according to mckinsey the most gender diverse companies are 21 percent more likely to experience above average profitability it so it, it it's very inherent on on our on our organizations if we want to be successful to have a more diverse uh, employment base. Absolutely. And I think that was one thing that really struck me when looking at the uh, the 2018 uh, labour market surveys in cybersecurity versus the 2020 one was that 29% of those same organisations which were surveyed in 2018 had made changes by 2020 to try and um, kind of implement ways of recruiting more women because businesses are taking notice, as you've said, Stuart, they are seeing that there is a clear link between diversity and profitability and they want to naturally make sure that they're on the uh, the movement towards that okay so stepping back from it from a, for a little bit there then how do employees and organizations help how, how do we implement this and what, what are the key things we need to know and for our listeners to be aware of I think from my side of things it's to review your current processes and to see whether you're doing things the way that you've always done them just because it's the way you've always done them or whether that's truly the best approach so looking at your essential requirements looking at how you recruit your students or your employees um, and to see whether there's work you can be doing there look at whether you're working with the right partners so shameless plug for aru um, we're not a russell group university but we have um, a phenomenal diversity of students we have something like 36% of our students classify as BAME and 94% of our students fall under a widening participation um, criteria. So look at your universities that you're working with. Are you working with universities with the right courses for you? Are you working with universities that are recruiting the right type of students for what you're looking for? You know, Do your job descriptions do you justice? Are they the ones you've used for the last five years and actually are quite boring? Could, could we make it a bit more interesting? And are you working with organisations organizations like um, STEMETs or young engineers to try and impact the younger generation to be more engaged in tech. Um, so for me, I suppose, take a step back, don't do what you've always done, see if there's work we can do to, to make it more appealing to, you know, in this case, in this, this topic, women, but actually just a more gender, a more diverse organization um, and group of candidates. I, I fully agree with with what Joe said, and I'm very pleased that quite a lot of that um, we've done at Palo Alto Networks. But I think what's really important for organisations and and for the organisation I work for and represent as well is to be honest about where you are, right? And and once you're honest about where you are, you can understand exactly what you need to do to make those changes, um, you know, and implement some of those things. And I'm and I'm you know pleased to say that one of the things that we do as an organization is be honest openly as well it's not just honest within our own company and not sharing that outside we publish what our gender diversity figures are you know we we want to um show that we're in we have a situation that we need to improve upon and the steps that we're looking to make to improve upon them and we want to collaborate with other organizations that are like-minded to make those changes and I think that that's really important that we collaborate with other organisations 
to make sure that we're all open and honest about where we need to be, that we share best practices about how to improve the situation and we can learn from one another. Whether we're competitive or not in the market, we learn from one another how to, how to improve our situation as an industry. Agreed, that industry-wide conversation cannot be um, valued enough in, the, in tackling both the cybersecurity skills gap, but also attracting more women into the technology industry and cyber as a, kind of a subsector within that. Definitely. And I think the conversation we've had today will be mirrored across lots of different organisations, hopefully, and will spark people to ask themselves some questions. And like you say, Stuart, we do need to be you know, hold ourselves accountable of what we can do at a personal level, at an organisational level, at an industry level. And everything we can do, no matter how big or small, will make an impact. Um, so I think, you know, thank you so much, guys, for joining us today. It's been fantastic having you on. And hopefully we'll be able to you know, revisit this topic in a year's time and we might be talking about different bits of different stats. That would be great, wouldn't it? See, see an actual improvement for sure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening to NatChat, the Natalic podcast. Please subscribe to us on Apple Music, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps us grow the show. And we love to hear your feedback.